Hey, this is Rob with episode 19 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. So for this episode, I changed things up a bit. We are going to go a music focus. Uh, music to, is something that's really important to me in my life. I enjoy singing, guitar, drums, banjo. And Kai Brewster is one of the most talented people I know. I grew up with him is how I know him. But when I went off to college and went off to work for Sam Adams, I came back and it was like a totally different person in terms of talent with guitar and singing and keyboards and just Every instrument you can imagine. Uh, he is, if you want to follow him, at Kai Brewster. It is K-A-I-B-R-E-W-S-T-E-R. He is in General B in The Wiz. He has played with Four on the Floor. He plays with uh, Jesse Becker. He plays with Nick Costa. He plays with David Allen. He plays charity tribute shows. It's Absolutely crazy how many things he does here. Uh, and I'm not even listing all the things he does. Go give him a follow. Listen up. This is a fun episode because it's about how someone can be a full-time musician and his story. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 19. This is an interview with the man, the myth, the legend from the Folly Coffee podcast intro, Kai Brewster. It is wonderful to be here, Rob. Welcome, Kai. So the Folly Coffee podcast, you're like, why do we have some music guy on here if this is a coffee podcast? Well, it is a coffee focus, but as I've said in my intro episode, this is a podcast not only about coffee, but it is also about people, stories, and business. And music is something that people rarely think of as a business. But I've known Kai since elementary school, mm-hmm. uh, and I have some really cool friends doing really cool things. He's one of them, and he's unique in the sense that he is a full-time musician. And I think traditionally when you think of a full-time musician, you picture someone that is like in a band or they are a solo artist and they gig until they get big enough with that one group. And like that's just, I think, how people picture a music career or whatever, producer, however it may be. Um, But I don't think that's usually the case with full-time musicians. I would agree, Um, especially in a a place like Minneapolis, um, you... What I yeah, what I'll say about that is Minneapolis is like one of the, I think, last cities in the U.S. where it's big enough to have like a super creative, super vibrant music scene. But then it's also small enough and affordable enough where those artists can be in the city and uh, go out and actually like hang together and see each other play and stuff like that. And so what it, what Minneapolis becomes is this great like hotbed of creativity Um, and a lot of like genre cross pollination and where just like creative people see and honor other creative people. And it's a really fun thing to be a part of. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people think of music as a business unless they're thinking like top 40. Sure. You're thinking Mm -hmm. like all the top 40 are are, clearly that's a huge business, Mm -hmm. but seeing what you've done and Mm -hmm. following what you've been able to do 
throughout your various musical endeavors, it is clearly very entrepreneurial. And yeah. you have done some <laughs> things that we will definitely get to that okay. really excite me. And uh, also we can touch on what some of our other friends are doing. That yeah. is also hilarious. But it's one of those things that because it's a creative thing, I don't think a lot of people think of it as uh, an entrepreneurial endeavor. Mm-hmm. They don't think of it as business or they mm-hmm. don't think of it as all the things. But music is probably one of the most challenging things to market yourself it, because it is such a crowded industry. So I want to start just kind of with your story in terms of where, and I, I've known you for a long time, mm-hmm. but probably a lot of this I'll hear for the first time in terms of where you started in music, like mm-hmm. what kind of sparked and at what point did your love of music turn into I could do this for fun or mm-hmm. I could do this for a full-time living? Like where, where does the spectrum start with that? Sure. Well, I think it's important to point out that we actually started our musical careers together in second grade orchestra. Mm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I was a viola player. Rob played third violin, which of course means he was playing all the viola parts with me. That Um, means I was so bad that they're like, we're going to put you not on the violin part. And uh, shout out to Mallory Blanchard, the other third violinist. (laughs) Mallory, if you're listening, you did a great job. We're all really proud of you. Also, if you're listening, that'd be the (laughs) most random listener of all time. (laughs) I would love that. Um, So, I I mean, for a while, music was just something I did uh, because I was in orchestra. Yeah. and Like a requirement for school. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I actually didn't really start playing, um, any of the instruments that I play now until I was about 16. Uh, we went and saw my stepbrother's band. My sister got super inspired. Uh, she asked for a bass for Christmas. My parents got her a six string guitar. Uh, they didn't know the difference. So that six string guitar went in our, in the closet in our basement. She got a bass guitar. Uh, she never played it. I found it a couple years later. Just started messing around with it. Um, the youth leader was at a community church, said, hey, I'm starting a band. You're going to be our bass player. And I said, I do not play bass. And he said, but you have a bass. <laughs> this like, is the key important thing. Yes. And then uh, he said something, bassists, listen up. I'll never forget it. Gabe Flynn. Bass is not about how you sound. Bass is about how you look. <laughs> and I was like, mm, but okay, let's do it. Um, so that's where I started playing. And so uh, when you're yeah. playing viola in second mm-hmm. grade too, yeah. how long did you play viola for? Um, the last time I played in a concert uh, was on a choir tour my final year of college. Okay. So until I was 20. And so did it resonate you really like with you really early on when you were playing oh, viola? Were you, were you like, music is my passion, this is my obsession, I'm in fourth grade and I know no, what I'm doing for uh, the rest of my life? I, I felt and I think people around me would confirm that I was a really bad viola player. Okay, that, I, 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 did, I, I didn't want to say it, but yeah. I remember you yeah. and I both kind of mm-hmm. didn't care. Yeah. And you're like, all right, how how many times can we ru- write in the practice calendar that we practice and not have our parents call us out That's on it? That's exactly yeah. right. Um, yeah, and, and I think what was missing from like single line string instruments for me was a really the communal nature of what I like about being in a band and then also the ability to like, um, there's playing a guitar by yourself is so fun. It's like playing piano. You can do melody, you can do chords, you can do them at the same time. Um, you're kind of in control and driving the bus of all the aspects of the song. Um, and then practicing viola on your own. Violists get like 
six notes per song per composition usually they're like composers will write the melody and then the chord structure and then they'll like everything that's kind of left over they'll give to the viola player so you like it just wasn't fun Mm -hmm. um it helped me develop a lot of like soft skills uh in high school we had this fantastic orchestra director mark gitch bloomington civic orchestra represent um and he was big on ensemble skills and i think that's when i really started to uh understand the parts of music that i was good at where i was like viola playing six notes at a time uh freed me up to be able to listen to everybody else Mm. and what they're doing and kind of tune in and see oh i i'm actually doubling these people or like we have a line with them and if um i play uh, stringed instruments are really fun and unique because you can mess with the pitch so much. And so like, oh, and if I play the third or the fifth a little bit sharp or a little bit flat, I can actually get this chord to ring out a little mm. bit more. Um, and that was the stuff that really started to excite me. So, um, so it kind of planted a seed. Yeah. But yeah. It, So would you say 16, you get this guitar or your mm-hmm. sister gets a guitar that mm-hmm. you end up playing? Yeah. Is that really the first time that it sparks? Um, yeah, I think the ensemble skills. And then that first time I played bass, the first time I played bass in a band uh, was at this church. And we had 30 minutes to rehearse a like 40 to 45 minute set. And so I get in and we play and I've never touched this bass before. I looked at it and I didn't like I didn't know how it all worked or how the notes fit together or anything like that. So I showed up to this rehearsal being like, okay, so what, what do I do with this? How do I hold the bass? And then he, Gabe kind of showed me how. We went through the songs, and then he was like, all right, let him in. And all of the kids who were coming to the Wednesday night thing came in, and we just did it. And that was like, I'm sure we were terrible. But that was the point where I was like, I think it was the combination of really finding, obviously finding the thing that I would later figure out was what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. But then also just the sheer adrenaline high of like, you have to do this. You have to figure this out. Um, Both of those were really exciting for me. Uh, And I actually am in a band right now that is kind of like an improv top 40 band where we will get to yeah, that. Yeah, okay, great. Because I love that, it. that's one of the things I was referring to mm-hmm. earlier. But I want to continue along this linear mm. path because yeah. my outside perspective of it mm-hmm. is I I saw you play in that church band mm-hmm. and it was just like really fun mm-hmm. and like top 40 songs, oldies, whatever. Yeah. And then you continued to kind of just randomly pick up instruments mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden senior year, you're in choir with yep. me. I remember that correctly. Mm-hmm. It was just senior year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of a sudden senior year, you're in choir with me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Whoa, he's a, he's a really good singer too. Okay, that's, I didn't know that yeah. either. And then all of a sudden, I go off to college, so mm-hmm. I'm gone for four years, mm-hmm. and uh, I ended up working away. I'm, I'm back and forth, and I think the next time I really saw you perform mm-hmm. was actually right when I moved back to start mm-hmm. Folly. The first thing I did, I didn't even go home. I came to General B playing at what's the bar's number? Is it sixteen? Uh, it was like Art of World or something. Oh, at the 331. At the 331. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So I saw you at 331, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden I'm like... Because <laughs> like, I, I yeah. played guitar before you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I stayed at the three-chord wonder pace. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then all of a sudden I come back, and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> so, so you're like That's fully legit nice. playing like... Yeah. 
uh, rhythm and lead guitar mm-hmm. with General B singing, singing like vocals and mm-hmm. ba- like backup vocals to Quincy. And so that's the period I want to fill. Sure. Where it goes from Kai is like in this church band, it's fun to watch, mm-hmm. to all of a sudden like this fully legit like yeah. player up here. Sure. It was like I, it was like a different guy up there. So that, <laughs> that's the space I yeah. want to fill. Okay. It's like so what was your path from 16 to the rest of high school? Mm-hmm. What was your college experience? Mm-hmm. And then what was what happened out of college? Um first of all, thank you. That's all very <laughs> kind. Um I a lot of where my uh music passion got ignited was actually in like musical theater, classical singing and opera. So I thought I was going to be an actor for a really long time. So the singing was just a way to get into the musical to try and do more acting. But I never got cast in any roles. They just put me in the chorus because I would dance and then apparently I could sing. Um, And so that was kind of where the language started coming together. And then uh, I, my senior year, I was like, I'm really loving music. I'm playing in a bunch of bands uh, and choir and orchestra And I'm also really loving this acting thing. So I did as much of both as I possibly could in that year. And I got so sick of acting. I just got so tired of it and music was still going. So I was like, great, let's do this. Uh, I went to Luther College for two and a half years and um, met the guys in General B and the Wiz through a mutual friend of ours, Eric Wadman. I love you very much, Eric. Um, And started playing bass for them. And did you start General B and the Wiz together or was it already a group? No. So it was a duo. It was Quincy Voris and Seth Dewan. Mm -hmm. Um, They were doing like acoustic shows, like playing Tenacious D covers at the wrestling house and stuff like that, Um, which is a house for wrestlers, not a house where you go to wrestle. (laughs) Um, And uh, both are good. Yeah. And Seth uh, had always wanted to start an original rock band. Um, And... So he started looking for guys and Quincy could sing and still can. Uh, And then, so they were all sophomores and I was a freshman. We got in, we started playing. Eric and I had been playing together for a while. So that was easy, but we were like, oh, this is, this is a thing. Um, And so I thought it was going to be a fun hang and like we were going to play some fun shows and make a little bit of money. Um, But I really found a like, creative kinship with these guys um who like seth was already super into recording he was already a freak on guitar Mm -hmm. um and at this point i sort of played guitar like i knew chords um and i could pick out a melody on the guitar but i wasn't anything really Mm -hmm. um and so we recorded our first album and i um Played bass on that, played a little acoustic guitar on that, and then because I was a vocal major at Luther, I had to take piano, so I was learning piano at the time. So Seth and I, we actually have no idea who played which keyboard parts on our first record, Um, but then I started playing keys and rhythm guitar in the band after that. We brought in Kevin Kokenauer because his band, Flo and the Mingos, check him out. Check out Sarah Walk, she's got a new album coming out. Um, there, he, they had just broken up and Kevin and I had played together off and on for a really long time. Um, and we were trying to figure out how to bring these songs to life live. And the, uh, solution seemed to be find a keyboard player and a rhythm guitar player. And I was like, well, I'll just do that. Kevin's looking for a thing. Let's hop him over. Um, and from there, I honestly, uh, it was 
kind of, it's kind of a boring story, but just like put in the hours of trying to like watch Seth play and figure out what Seth was doing on guitar mm-hmm. and then like retreat and see if I could replicate it. I imagine being around Seth was absolutely a huge part of learning guitar because yeah. watch, watching him play, I yeah. mean, from like the first time I saw Jeremy yeah. be in college mm-hmm. was like, this guy freaking rips. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he just kind of arrived in my life like yeah. fully formed. Yeah. And that's not to say he hasn't gotten better because he has and that's terrifying to me. Um, but like, so this is at Luther College. Yeah. So what mm-hmm. what year is this all going? Down? This is uh, I got to Luther in two thousand nine. Uh, I had my first general B rehearsal in January of two thousand ten, mm-hmm. uh, and we released an album together spring of two thousand eleven, and that's when Kevin came on board. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they all graduated in twenty twelve, and I have never been a good student. Um, I've always liked learning, but school is not my thing. Uh, so they all graduated in 2012 and I was kind of faced with this decision of like, am I really going to sing classically or am I going to find work doing, uh, contemporary music and pop music and rock music and stuff like that? Um, the other thing was, am I, do I want to continue acquiring like, college debt uh for a uh for a profession that's probably never gonna pay it back yeah that's how college works yeah (laughs) right we all figured that out now um (laughs) tonight's show brought to you by college um (laughs) so i uh i kind of made the decision to step back and take a break from school and we all moved into a house together all of the general b guys did oh yeah yeah remember that place (laughs) god what a and where was this uh, this was in like Midway St. Paul mm-hmm. in a neighborhood that's now really hip. Uh, but our house was like right on the railroad tracks. Um, I had a north facing window and a south facing window, the only south facing window in the house. But what it meant was the wind in the winter would just like whip through my room. <laughs> and so was this a, a decision that you all made together uh, in the sense that we want to pursue this and really push to make General B a big thing? Or was it just something that you were all were at a point in your life? Uh, and so I, I guess what yeah. I'm getting at here is kind of what are you doing like work-wise outside of the band where everybody all of a sudden can mm-hmm. land in one spot like that? Because that's sure. super unique that yeah. what is it, at this time, five guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Five guys can all at once yeah. collectively make a decision that yep. we're going to live in this house despite being at mm-hmm. different points in life and different like some have just graduated some are still right you know um yeah i think uh you know they were gonna they were all gonna go either way um so they had all found jobs working for like americorps or um eric was working like cement and construction for a little bit um and uh that was the that was a quiet time in eric's oh my goodness (laughs) we would play like he would we would either play a show or like have a rehearsal until 11 or midnight and he would go to sleep and get up at like four every day. Back breaking. Yeah. Like yeah. 95 yeah. Yeah. Carrying Just, concrete. Yeah. The rest of us would get back from working summer camps. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was, uh, they were all going to come up here. Kevin transferred to the university of Minnesota in the twin cities at that time. And so I think I, I memories are weird, but I have a sort of shadow memory of being like, 
if we're if we can commit to doing this and trying to strike out and make this happen i'm in mm-hmm. we'll figure it out um and thankfully i had parents who were really supportive too um and so they were all leaving all of us were looking for a place to live in the cities all at the same time that like immediate post-college is a really unique transition in that regard like you said where um all of a sudden you and all your peers are at the same stage in your life um and i think we all to some degree had felt enough success we had already done some small tours um we had played with uh a surprising amount of cool people who had come through decora to play which so, is where luther that's where luther college is yep in iowa um and so uh we felt like and we had gotten some positive feedback from all of those people we were opening for us so we were like yeah let's strike out let's do it um so yeah we all moved in together we practiced every night uh and i think that i owe a lot uh i owe a lot to that just like Every night, you got to go in, you got to think of something, you're trying to impress these guys all the time, show them you've somehow worked on something between the last time you practiced and now, even though everyone went off to work and things like that. Um, I was, let's see, at the time I was doing uh, music work for Wyzetta Community Church, I went back and was helping them out, Um, and then just doing my best to try and like everyone would go away to work uh because i only worked like wednesdays and sundays i was very poor (laughs) but (laughs) um just in cash though yes yes. rich in other areas uh rich in friendship and ham's beer but they do not accept friendship for food they do not and surprisingly you can't barter with a 30 pack of hams at lunch Mm, probably true so at, at this point um you, I know you had a, a, a strong following at Luther, mm-hmm. uh, with, and so you're easily mm-hmm. able to book gigs at Luther yep. for all the all yep. the Luther events. And yep. then you move up here. Did mm-hmm. you find it was easy to go out and find gigs? And my understanding of the music industry is you get a lot of people that are like, we just need a band to play, good exposure. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but we need to get paid. And they're yeah. like, well, this will help you get paid in the future. Mm-hmm. So what was it like when you moved back and you're, you're becoming more established or at least like practicing a lot more together. Mm-hmm. What was it like going out and trying to find gigs, trying to find paying gigs? Yeah, uh, and this is honestly still the balance that uh, everyone that I'm running into uh, is trying to find. Um, back then, we had kind of spread out and were playing a lot of like southeastern Minnesota and then Iowa. So um, it was a toss-up between like getting an okay 7th Street gig uh, on, like, a Tuesday night or opening for someone uh, coming through town at some weird venue. Or, um, oh, Rob was an early patron of our Monday night uh, Whiskey Junction residency Mm. in Minneapolis. Um, I believe one of them I was the only one. That's (laughs) right. Um, And I think that was the first one you guys did. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, they all looked like that, too. but that is, uh, it was, so it was a combination of really, truly playing for nobody. Um, and then going on weekends to, uh, Iowa State University in Ames or back to Luther or, uh, the illustrious Kathy's Pub in Rochester. Um, 
places like that, uh, a university, like the universities were good pay and that would be all right. Um, and then, uh, Kathy's pub was like really for us, like the, um, and it's a little facetious to talk about them as our Hamburg years, like the Beatles, because <laughs> a, we didn't work nearly as hard as they did. And it was like maybe once a month and also B we're not famous. Um, <laughs> But it was like we'd show up, uh, play for four hours, um, and then just drive home, load out, go to sleep for a couple hours, and then I would wake up for a church gig in the morning. Um, so it was um, the the answer of like, what is the balance was like we were just trying to play as much as possible. So to find paying gigs, yeah. it's almost like go to markets where they don't have as much availability yep. mm-hmm. of talent. Because that was even when I'm one of three or four people in the crowd mm-hmm. at Whiskey Junction, I'm yeah. like, this talent level is high. Because I see a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, these guys are, everybody in your band is like, each person is so insanely oh, talented. Yeah. And I'm like... This is absurd mm-hmm. that there are... And at the mm-hmm. time, Kesha was really popular. And I was like, yeah, yeah Kesha on the radio. <laughs> and I got these guys up here yeah. absolutely ripping, and I'm one of three or four people in the crowd. Uh, but that's interesting that you can almost use the local gigs where it's harder mm-hmm. to find awesome gigs yeah. uh, to almost like build your repertoire and mm-hmm. build your concert performance mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then take it on the road. Yeah, get then paid to practice. Get paid. Is great? Yeah, I mean, it's like $13 or whatever. Um, but the other thing was at that time is we were reinvesting pretty much all of our money back into the band, Mm -hmm. um, for travel stuff, for taking care of ourselves while we were on the road, uh, when we were for paying for recording, um, which even in the time that, uh, we've been a band, the ability to record yourself has become so easy, uh, that I almost just recommend people do that Mm. all the time. Um, yeah. Uh, so you you're gigging, mm-hmm. and four Kevin's going to school mm-hmm. in that first year. The other uh, three three. Fo- uh, three guys are working jobs, mm-hmm. and you're working at the church and gigging elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, at what point in your personal development did you make it that you're like, oh, I now have a sustainable living situation in music? Sure. And how how long did that take? Mm-hmm. And how did you do it? Because yeah. that's what I think any anybody listening is interested in music or just sees someone that works full-time mm-hmm. music just to give them a grasp. Because following you on Instagram is like every night you're doing something. <laughs> I'm like, who's he playing with? Like, where are they yeah. playing? Like, what is going mm-hmm. on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it took me... Uh, so, <clears throat> the in our like history that we've gone through so far, I think we've reached 2013. Um, I, it took me until, and I'll go back and talk a little bit about it. It took me until 2018 to start making a career as a musician. Um, so I, in that time, uh, I was, I was at a community church was super supportive of me. Um, I actually went and got a master's in theology through them and was working 20 hours a week there, uh, both on the pastoral team as well as one of the music directors, I had uh, a Wednesday night contemporary service there. Um, And then in the years before that, I'd been the music director at their camp. So every summer for five or six years, uh, I would go away for a month and a half to two months and 
play music every day and organize musicians every day and take volunteer musicians who maybe were picking up an instrument for the first time or the first time in like five, ten years or things like that and try and figure out how to put on a show with these people every night. Um, and so that honestly, I think that sort of pressure is what's helped me be the way I am now where it's like pressure makes diamonds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, kind of what we talked about, uh, with the first time I played a bass, it's still the same drug in a way of like, you have 30 minutes to make something happen. Can you do it? Mm -hmm. Um, that lights me up like nothing else. Um, and then I, I really do think there's no better test or barometer for your abilities at any given time than like, what can you produce right now? Um, and so that kind of led me into the music directing thing that I talked about. It was at a community church proper on the Wednesday night thing, uh, which then put me in touch with, uh, put me back in touch with my friend, Ethan Yushaya, who is one of the best bass players in the Twin Cities. And he actually helped bring in uh, these two other guys, Joey Hayes and Sam Rosenstone, who I had kind of been in this bubble of General Being the Wiz and was at a community church and the players they had to offer. And then all of a sudden I was surrounded by these three guys who knew more about music and were better players and masters of their instrument in ways that I don't know if I'll ever be, to be honest. And so I was like, Oh, and they're all three, four, five years younger than I am. <laughs> so I was like, oh, now I got to get to work. Like I've, I've built, uh, I had built some stability and I had built a way to regularly practice. But that was the first time because I've never really taken lessons or anything like that. So uh, I was like, oh, now I need to, this is what's possible uh, for someone my age in Minneapolis music. Um, and I think that was the final kick in the pants for me. So like the last two years, uh, so 2016 or 2017 and 2018 uh, of my time with Wyzetta Community Church in an official capacity um, was probably a little bit less uh, church work than I should have been doing and a lot more holding up, recording stuff, just recording myself, playing along to backing tracks on YouTube um, trying to figure out solo vocabulary, trying to figure out um, how to use pedals well, trying to figure out how to use guitars well. Um, and that seems obvious, but like the technology of a guitar, using that to my advantage in a setting. And how, how are you teaching yourself that? Was it formal classes or how did how, you go about that process? Um, just experimentation. Okay. Uh, there were some, uh, or like going down pedal rabbit holes on YouTube. Yeah. Um, watching uh, concert footage of artists I admired, finding concerts where I could see their hands really well yeah. and like observe what they were doing and then playing YouTube at half speed and trying to play it with them and then playing it at 75% speed and trying to play it with them, going up to 125% speed and trying to play it with them. Um, YouTube has almost made formal education like more and more irrelevant. You can find yeah. absolutely um, anything on there. People... Uh, People ask me uh, if I do lessons uh, a lot and I say, A, no, because I don't know how I learned really. Um, but what I do remember from learning is like I just followed my curiosities uh, on the internet and it 
took me to where I am. So I can't give any better advice. Yeah. Like when I did have students, I was like, all right, these are chords. Here's how a scale works. What songs are you interested in? Mm -hmm. Okay, go and learn that song. Great. You came back. You learned that song. Now you know how to learn guitar. We'll see you. Yeah. Like that was, that was really, really true. all I could all I could offer um, and all I really felt comfortable offering uh, just because, like you said, technology is your best friend yeah. uh, in learning really any skill you want to learn. So you're General B. Mm -hmm. You are playing a lot more music at the church. Mm -hmm. Where does it go from there? Um, it goes into, uh, really what kicked it off was we got another Monday night residency. We being, uh, my friend Seth, who I've talked about, uh, he got handed a Monday night residency at a little place that's now gone called the Viking bar mm -hmm. in Minneapolis. And, uh, he texted me and said, Hey, I want to put a band together for this. We're going to do real easy covers um so and how, how did he get that because that's one thing yeah that i think nobody really knows it's mm -hmm. like oh we got this kid well mm -hmm. how did they reach out to sure. you did you reach out and say hey we've got this idea mm -hmm. how does that come together so it was a it belonged to a guy named nate case uh who's a fabulous guitar player and singer um and who we had met uh general b uh had played winona a bunch winona minnesota is real close to decora iowa um so we had gone up and played this wonderful little hole in the wall bar that uh i think is one of the best venues in the country it's called ed's no name bar um and we'd gone up there and opened for caroline smith um uh who else a whole bunch of people uh at that little place um and then all of a sudden winona started this music festival called midwest music festival uh and we got slots there we opened for uh four on the floor our first time there and that was like kind of what at least in this world this little minnesota world people were like oh that's a that's a band yeah um because all these people showed up for four on the floor and they got us uh and then four on the floor went on rip their faces off i sure hope so <laughs> um so that was where people started seeing us and that's where we met nate um because he was playing in four on the floor at the time i believe uh, and then he actually went to study music therapy in Germany. So he knew Seth to be the phenom that he is um, and kind of the encyclopedia for songs. Uh, very similar to Nate. So Nate said, hey, you seem like the right guy for this. Um, so it's really just organically meeting people for yeah. music festivals mm -hmm. and like places where other musicians mm -hmm. are existing and connecting yourself with them, whether intentionally or unintentionally, mm -hmm. and them seeing you put on that show yeah. and just recognize yeah. that's like, Hey, there's real talent here. Yeah. The, the 10,000 foot like message or lesson for me is just like, follow your interest and enjoy yourself. If you're setting out to be an artist, um, keeping those two, like the discipline of following that interest and that curiosity. And then also like not becoming a martyr for it are kind of the two things where like you'll get really good and people will still like you. Is there kind of yeah. the two things um, where like, uh, yeah, Seth got it because he was talented and he got it because Nate liked him. Mm -hmm. Like those are the two things. Um, and so Seth calls me for that um, to play bass uh, because um, he was like, we're starting this week and we need like 40 or 50 songs. <laughs> I was like, oh, OK, yeah, we can do that. 
Um, it's, it's like your original church gig on steroids. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, really, it was yeah. It's that gig trained me for it. Learning, uh, you know, eight to twelve new songs a week for church gigs trained me for it. Where it's like, how do I cram all of these songs at least into my brain until Tuesday morning? Um, and we put our heads together about other players we really admired who we wanted to play with. Uh, and we had been seeing this guy, Frank Merklowitz around, who is an absolute monster keyboard player. Filthy. Yeah. He, since then he's joined general being the whiz. Uh, and I try and sneak him into every project I play with, um, because good keyboard players are hard to find, uh, and especially ones as kind and hilarious as Frank Merkowitz. Uh, and then Max Zemer, who plays in a band called Ruben, uh, is just a filthy drummer um, and somehow knows every single song. Uh, so Monday nights came around and uh, we played the one and had such a blast uh, and tried to figure out what we wanted to do with it. And we kept playing the Viking for a while and picking up weird like bar gigs. Uh, and then Midwest Music Fest approached this band to play like kind of an open jam after party this for band Midwest being Music you Fest. Guys, yeah. That you're like, yep. yeah, we're a band. <laughs> right. They were like, would you guys, yeah, want to essentially like be the only thing going on at Midwest Music Fest at the end of it? And we were like, uh, sure. So we need a name. Uh, and it became a little too short to be Stormtroopers because our dream, which has since been realized, uh, was that someone would come up to us on the street and go, hey, aren't you a little too short to be Stormtroopers? And then we say, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I never knew that. I've uh -huh. known your name for years. Uh -huh. um, and uh, we played uh, this festival and so many amazing, amazing local musicians sat in with us that night. Uh, Martin Dosh, uh, who plays drums for Andrew Bird, played with us. Um, Jaden James, one of my favorite singers, sang with us. So, so explain the concept of it. Because it's yeah. not just like you put together a band and you're playing... Because I've, I've been mm -hmm. to cover bands yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, all right, they're covering songs you know. It's in mm -hmm. the background, whatever. Mm -hmm. But your shows are different than that. Yeah. Why is that? Um, tequila. And then <laughs> uh, we... Um, because, so we took a solemn vow to never rehearse. That's one thing. Mm. Um, part of that is just show up prepared and you'll be fine. Uh, and part of the way we say it is, uh, we're a little too short to be stormtroopers. We don't rehearse and we're passing the savings along to you because what that means is whatever you've heard tonight is probably about as good as your requests are going to go. So if you want to throw some cash in a bucket and tell us a song, will probably play it or at least the the artist and see that, well that was my favorite part of yeah. saying a little too short is mm -hmm. that it's exciting yeah when someone goes up and suggests a song and you're like all right they may or may not know mm -hmm. this and you can't really tell and yeah. since you don't rehearse even if you do know it it's like all right we have to piece it together on the spot and so yeah there's like this almost excitement it's mm -hmm. like uh, if you've ever seen like a stand-up working on material. Yes. It's like that, but mm -hmm. that doesn't exist in music. Yeah. Usually in music, it's like you go to a show, mm -hmm. especially if it's a cover band. You're yeah. like, I feel so bad for these people. They're <laughs> play, they're paying these they're playing these covers that they clearly like, they didn't yeah. write them, and mm -hmm. they've clearly played them a thousand times. Mm -hmm. 
But this one is like you go up and like every time somebody suggests a song, you're like, there's no way they're gonna yeah. get this one. Yeah, it it is. Uh, it's the best way for me to stay sharp as a musician, and also the most terrifying thing I do in music. I think uh, because yeah, you're right. Like we had someone come up with a 20 at one show and asked for Let It Go and Bohemian Rhapsody. We're like, okay, we'll see what happens. Um, and trying to do the choir parts of Bohemian Rhapsody with four people is hilarious. Um, but it is like, it. Uh, you're right, like trying to find, first of all, it's what do we like? We like being goofy. We like being weird. We just are those things. Um, we're all adrenaline junkies. That's part of why you like live playing live music. Um, and then, uh, we're also busy. And so some of the way that it came about was like, what are the aspects of ourselves naturally that we can turn into something or to be like, really like, I'm not sure we put this much thought into it at the time, but the reason it's sustainable is because it's who we are and we found a way to market it. Yeah, so it's, it's almost like you, you the, one of the most challenging things about being in a band is the mm -hmm. time commitment. So yeah. you're like, how do we start a band and be able to gig mm -hmm. and like get paid to do so without putting any extra stress on our already busy rehearsal mm -hmm. schedules, mm -hmm. work lives. Mm -hmm. And I think something that results from that too is the audience is on your side with it. Yes. It, they, yeah. Like if you mess up, it mm -hmm. makes it more genuine. Whereas yeah. like most cover bands, they've practiced it over and mm -hmm. over. And if they mess up, you're like, mm -hmm. boo, like yeah. you suck. But when, when you guys mess up, you're like, I can't believe they're doing this well so far yeah. because somebody just yeah. did this on the spot. Yeah. If you're, if you're rooting for the tightrope walker to fall, we don't really want you at our shows. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it really is, uh, it, it's, it's fun because it's a participatory mm. experience. Yeah, where, you literally have people from the crowd coming yep, up. Yep, they're coming up. Them. And then also, um, you're not there, it really is an interactive experience. You're not there to take what we have to mm -hmm. offer. Um, we like that it's more about the audience and what they want and what they're looking for. Um, and creating a one-time experience for them rather than like, did you like our show? Cause it was perfect. Yeah. We know we're really good. Yeah. <laughs> so you are gigging with general B a mm -hmm. uh, little too short to start a uh, little too short for, <laughs> little I know. too short for stormtroopers. Uh -huh. Is that, yeah. To be stormtroopers. To be stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always just say a little too short. It doesn't matter. Uh, my attention span can't hold up for that name, yeah. which is half the fun of it. Yep. But uh, so you're gigging with General B. You're mm -hmm. practicing with mm -hmm. General B. You've got this residency at Viking Bar. Mm -hmm. You're still working at the church. Mm -hmm. Where does it go from there? Um, it goes... And also, I, yeah. I also want to ask, are you consciously thinking, how do I continue to become more full-time music? Or are these things just happening organically? Uh, a little bit of both. I'm uh, doing probably not as much as I could have. But as far as I can tell, I'm trying my best to uh, be ready for a possibility because um, so much of the music business, if people can't already tell, is just stupid luck. Um, I, a great example of this is uh, kind of right when I was getting comfortable on guitar, um, I was writing for this Sunday night service with a guy named Paul Franzik. 
and I went on a whim and saw him at the 318 in Excelsior. Uh, he asked me to come up and sit in and then asked me to sing a couple songs. And then his nephew got up and played and sang some songs too. And uh, he seemed like a really nice guy, like, you know, was a good singer and a good piano player and had really nice songs. And I was like, oh, I really like your style. He's like, thanks, man, you too. And we went over to Paul's house and we were playing some of Paul's songs on the, uh, and he and I were sitting at the piano. And then the next day I get a call and he goes, hey, uh, it, it, it's Jonah. Um, what are you doing next weekend? Because I got a couple shows. I was like, oh, um, I have some things. Uh, but if they're nearby, I can probably make some stuff happen. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I kind of have to fly you out to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, excuse me? He's like, yeah, we're. Uh, I have a gig at the... Do you uh, mean Austin, Minnesota? Yeah, he's like, no, 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 Boston. I was like, I didn't know there was a Boston, Minnesota. He's like, no, no. Uh, and uh, he had a show at the Big E Fair, which is like the New England version of the Minnesota State Fair. Hmm. I was like, uh, yeah, I can probably cancel my plans for that. So we rehearsed all week. Um, and then uh, what I didn't realize was this guy, uh, who's Jonah Murray, uh, was a YouTube phenomenon. So we get to the big E fair. I load in, uh, <laughs> I, uh, didn't miss my church gig. So he got me a flight. I was like, I can't miss my church gig. He's like, Oh no problem. <laughs> Stupid. Um, I didn't know what I was getting into. I load in, we go on stage. I didn't hear a note we played because the, these girls were just screaming so loud. It was unbelievable. Um, How many people are you playing for? This uh, maybe a thousand. <laughs> um, a good size crowd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just got good at guitar and then mm-hmm. a thousand yep. people. It's mm-hmm. Small. Mm-hmm. Um, there. Yeah, we're playing along to like backing tracks that I wrote and recorded, and it's all very strange. Yeah. Um, some of his stuff had been done by a producer in town named Kevin Bow, but he was like, I've got these new songs. Do you think we can make them? I was like, I guess they were not good. Um, cause we threw them together and I didn't really know what we were getting into. Um, and then, uh, Jonah now is a part of, uh, the boy band. Why don't we, if you know their name, they're like doing arenas and jingle ball and stuff like that. Um, so get being lucky. Yeah. Um, but that was the gig that I, I really am grateful to him uh, for, not only because it was such a cool experience, but um, it kind of put my name on the Minnesota map because apparently everyone, all the guitar players kind of knew who this guy was. Um, and uh, his cousin is actually the drummer of Hippocampus, by the way. No. Yep. Um but I got back and he shared some photos of us and our tour and a couple videos. And that was kind of the thing where uh, people were like, oh, there's a guitar player named Kai in town. Interesting. Um, so that was the first one. And then uh, when I graduated from grad school in 2018, I was trying to think about what was going to happen next. Uh, and I got a call 
from a friend of mine named Gabe Douglas from Four on the Floor, uh, who we opened for in 2014, 2015 at Midwest Music Fest. And he said, hey, I'm going on a West Coast tour with Four on the Floor. We need a bassist. Are you in? And I said, yes, that sounds great. Um, so the Jonah one kind of put my name out there. And then uh, Gabe, I owe a lot to because that was my first opportunity to really go out and tour for an extensive period of time, just as a session guy, as a hired gun. Um, and then kind of showed people like, yeah, he can, he can do it. He can figure it out. And what's really important, um, remember going back to following your interests and your curiosity and being a good guy. And these people can be trapped in tra trapped in a van with him for, I, I don't know if you've driven the West coast or like out through Montana, it's like 10 hours to mm -hmm. the next show. <laughs> yeah. I've driven through Nebraska. Yep. It's exactly yep. what you think it That's is. That's right. You get to Omaha and yep. then you're out of Omaha. Yep. And then there's nothing again, <laughs> except for the water park in Grand Island, Nebraska. Check it out. Uh, Paid sponsor of this podcast. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that, like, I've done a couple more tours with them. I did a East Coast tour on guitar with them um, and do some run little one-off runs with them here and there. Uh, and after that, um, you know, it's, it's people seeing, people having taken a chance on me, people seeing that I'm capable of doing it, and then just letting other people know that I'm available and want to keep doing it. Um, I think what a lot of musicians, uh, do is they say like, okay, I want to be a guitar player or a bass player or a keyboard player. And then they don't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. um, or like, uh, because people assume that you're fine doing what you're doing. Um, like people have their bands. They're probably busy. Um, it's very Minnesotan thing. Oh, I don't want to interrupt or intrude or anything like that. Um, but just telling people, I'm very shameless about like, hey, if you ever need somebody, I would love to play your music. Because I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something yeah. my personal, like seeing what you and Kevin mm -hmm. have done, mm -hmm. especially because you seem to have a similar kind of mindset towards it. That's mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm available to play mm -hmm. any gig any band yep. needs. Yeah. You know, we'll make it work. Mm -hmm. I think like the general perception of it is I'm in this band. Mm -hmm. I can't play in anything but this mm -hmm. band because... I don't know, it would confuse people or like it's an ego thing <laughs> yeah. or I don't want to like, uh, I don't want to offend my bandmates mm -hmm. that I'm not playing with them. Mm -hmm. But it's almost that I think playing in all these other groups would only benefit General B and the Wiz yeah. because it's probably a lot of other bands only exposure to General B is when they meet you mm -hmm. and then you tell them that you're in General B mm -hmm. and they probably learn about it that way. Yeah, um, That's kind of my big takeaway from this is that it's the combination of a lot of hard work and practicing and surrounding mm -hmm. yourself with people who are very talented and like mm -hmm. almost just trying to keep up. Mm -hmm. And in that you, you face this catalyst of talent and mm -hmm. learning that you have to learn or yeah. you go by the wayside. Right. But then also the attitude of like putting yourself in pressure situations, whether intentionally or not intentionally. Mm -hmm. And then just being very vocal 
with people around you that's like mm-hmm. I'm willing to do anything. I don't care yeah. if you're a boy band guy. I don't care if you're a country band like mm-hmm. you played last night. Yeah. I don't care if. It, and then you're meanwhile you're still gigging all through these ten years with General B and the mm-hmm. Wiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The last thing I want to ask you about is this whole Spotify thing because I'm very confused <laughs> about it. Your posts are very confusing. Yeah. On Instagram about it because mm-hmm. you're on Spotify, but. Something happened. Yeah. So you released your first album when you're back in college. Yeah. How many albums have you done with General B in the West? Uh, since we've then? done three records and an EP. Uh, we did one in 2011. We did one in 2012. We did an EP in 2014, I think is when it came out. And then we released uh, Skeleton, our latest record, in 2018. Um, we did that at the Hideaway Studios, uh, which is an awesome place. Um, and then toured, did a national tour on the back of that record. Uh, and then about two months ago, uh, Spotify took Skeleton off of Spotify, uh, with allegations of streaming fraud, which we think is very funny because if you're going to have streaming fraud, you should have more streams than we do. (laughs) Um, you should at least make some of your money back, uh, paying for those bots, um, which, I hope it's clear. We didn't pay. Yeah, no, that was very clear. Um, And like, I, I wasn't even aware that that was a thing, Uh, but we've been talking to Spotify and they, uh, their response was basically, oh yeah, we'll open an inquiry, but these have never been reversed. Since then. Uh, They've never reversed a streaming fraud uh, charge. So like the music that's, off of Spotify because of that has never been put back on Spotify. So Skeleton's still not It on is not Sp- available on Spotify. Um which is kind of sad, but also it's available uh on any other streaming service and it's also available for pay what you want directly on our website. So which is uh generalbeinthewiz.com and wiz is spelled w i z w i z and it's yeah. the letter b. It is the letter b. <laughs> Thank you. Uh these will all be in the show notes maybe um no no nope. <laughs> uh yeah so um yeah I'll, oh, for this it one. doesn't I'll do, matter i'll do show notes for this yeah. one <laughs> send it to me i'll i'll yeah, add them yeah um but uh yeah it it's been kind of fun um we also have um we're kind of leaning into the this identity that the music industry just hates us um spotify took us down we also had this really funny moment uh, where we played a festival pre-party at a club in town, and the uh, like local like indie rock uh, local music poised uh, station, The Current, which is part of Minnesota Public Radio, uh, would advertise the show, which was our EP release. Oh, we released another EP. I forgot about it. Please don't tell my bandmates. Um, we did an EP release. We headlined this show. We had two other bands on it with us. And the local DJs would advertise the show by being, by saying, and on Friday at the Turf Club, we have We Are the Willows, we have Farewell Milwaukee, and more for the Big Turn pre-release party. I remember party. that. I heard yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the more was just us. So, uh, Mark, if you're listening, we don't know what we did wrong. We're really sorry. Um... It's okay if you can't say our name. We forgive you. Uh, but yeah, so we're just using what we're given and uh, going 
going to war uh, for a fake war that doesn't exist because Minnesota's been very supportive of General Bean. Drama sells, man. It's what reality yeah. TV's built on. It's all fake. That's anyway. right. So what? who else you been gigging with lately? Is there anybody that outside of General Bean, mm-hmm. a little too short, mm-hmm. uh, um, that you're gigging with regularly? Sure. Where can we see you around yeah. town? Um, I, uh, I play with Stormtroopers. I play with General B. I play with a country singer named Jesse Becker in a backing band called the Neon Revival. Uh, that's super fun. We're playing two to four times a month. Um, I play for, uh, four on the floor as kind of the fifth on the floor a lot of the time. Um, I play for, uh, this wonderful, wonderful singer songwriter named Nick Costa um, his new record, uh, new ish. It came out last year. Devastator is one of the most beautiful Americana records I've heard in a really long time. Check it out. Uh, I play in a band called sleep study, which is like Brit rock and jam stuff that I really enjoy. I play for a country artist named David Allen, who just released a record. Uh, I played on that. Uh, if you want to hear some of my guitar work, it's me and the rhythm section from the cactus blossoms. It's really beautiful. Uh, who else do I play with? Uh, I'm working on some material that I don't know if I can talk about with a local singer. Um, and then I also put on, uh, something that has become, uh, pretty important to me and a really fun part of my life is, uh, Seth and I have been starting to do, uh, charity tribute shows around Mm -hmm. town. So we partner with First Avenue, uh, to put on, uh, these tribute shows and then we donate all of the money uh to charity so we did a shania twain birthday party and we donated all the money to planned parenthood and women winning which is a nonprofit dedicated to taking uh legislative seats held by old white men and giving them to young people or women or women of color um and uh that was very exciting and then uh, we did a Dolly Parton birthday party and gave all of the money from that to the Women's March in Minnesota. Um, and we're working on one for probably in April. We haven't decided on an artist, but I'll let you know when we do. I'm pretty excited about the ones we're thinking about. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's another takeaway here mm-hmm. is that like to be full-time music, it's work. Yeah. Do you still enjoy it? Do you find yourself still enjoying it? Mm-hmm. Do, you, how, do you get burnout? When, how often? How do you get yourself back from that? Yeah, um, I get burnout when I am learning too many songs hmm. all at once. Uh, that That's really what wears on me. Um, sometimes uh, I also get burned out when uh, the there's a, a rhythm to the year of a musician. Uh, and January and February, where we are now, not a lot of gigs coming through. Everyone kind of holes up for the winter. So that I get burnout uh, kind of financially, but then also like um, I got into music because I'm really passionate about it and it gives me a lot of life. And so when I'm not playing live, I'm not getting that intake of energy or like filling my soul up in the way that I'm used to. Uh, so that's just something to watch for. Um, but uh, what always brings me back uh, up to speed and... Uh, fills me up and kind of cures the burnout is just playing with people I love. Mm. Like that's really uh, what it's all about for me. That's awesome, Mm -hmm. man. Well, we're quickly approaching an hour. Really? Yeah. Oh my Uh, goodness. And so I think we'll wrap it up there. I think that's a great message to end on. But 
there's a lot of stuff in here that I, even I didn't know. And when you're going through that list, I'm like, I follow you. On, <laughs> I follow you on all your platforms, and I didn't know like half these things you're doing all the time. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so speaking of which, where can people find you? Where that? Where can they find? Sure. I'm sure if they follow you, they'll mm-hmm. be able to find all your other gigs that you're doing. Yeah. Um. The best place to keep up with me, uh, and if you want to learn more about all of the artists I'm playing with, you can just follow me on Instagram. I'm just at Kai Brewster. Um, I'm uh, not nearly the social media guru that Folly Rob is, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm trying. I have a I have a Facebook artist page that I made accidentally when I changed my Instagram to a business page. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's basically just my Instagram, yeah. but if you're only on Facebook, you can follow me there. Um, Otherwise, yeah, it just you can email me, kybrewstermusic at gmail.com. If you want someone to play on your project, I do a lot of remote recording. For example, a Midwest Coffee Tasters Championship. That's right. That, that's where I'll end this. This is the perfect example of you being open to stuff. Oh, yeah. And you're the first, and this is actually a, a big testament, is last year was our first Midwest Coffee Tasters Championship, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I want there to be live music. I want it to be fun. I don't want it to just be a DJ. Like, or, yeah. By DJ, I mean somebody with their phone mm-hmm. playing music. Mm-hmm. And so the first person that popped in my head was like, I'm sure Kai would be well, down for this. Kind. Yeah. And so I just reached out. I'm like, hey, I need somebody to play punk music <laughs> really loud when people are tasting coffee. And then I need it to be like quieter mm-hmm. when they're not tasting coffee mm-hmm. for three hours. Mm-hmm. And it's a paying gig. And you're like, and I, 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 so basically I just need guitar and drums. You're mm-hmm. like, we're in. Yeah. And I'm like, there, boom. Like, that's a great example of just because I know you're open to it. Mm-hmm. I, I always say great brands, mm-hmm. you don't know why you know it so much. Sure. So something like, uh, like I always bring up like New Glarus. You drink New Glarus when you're in oh, Wisconsin. Yeah. Why? Because you're in Wisconsin. it's New Glarus. It's like I have a gig that's really crazy mm-hmm. and impromptu and probably won't be like, it'll be crazy. Mm-hmm. That I bet Kai's down for that. It's like, <laughs> why do I make that connection in my head? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But you came, you absolutely crushed. Oh, by far the thing. so pe- much fun. By far the thing people brought yeah. up most. You were playing punk music while mm-hmm. making up lyrics about yep. tasting coffee mm-hmm. while people are tasting coffee. Yeah. And so you and jo- uh, you and Joy will be back this year we will. with an 80s theme. Yep. We think we're just going to bring a keyboard and play the same keyboard. Oh, dear Lord. Mm-hmm. I leave that up to you. <laughs> All right. So we'll end it on that. Did uh, you say what day the coffee tasting championship is, by the way? Oh, Saturday, April 4th. Fantastic. Uh, Lynn Lake Brewery, 11 to 2 p.m. 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, it's going to be an absolutely killer event. Um, yeah, so I'm going to end it there and say what I've been saying and have a great day.